What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Dew Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Welcome into another episode of Kentucky Daily, a daily podcast covering your University of Kentucky Wildcats. I'm Sean Smith, joined as always by Derek Terry of the Cat's Paws. Derek, how are you? Doing well, Sean. How are you? Doing well. Uh, Derek, This yesterday was actually our 50th episode of Kentucky Daily, and I didn't realize it until I went to publish the episode. How crazy is that, that we're already at 50 episodes? That's a pretty big milestone, honestly. Yeah, it's gone by quick. Uh I didn't realize it either until just now when I pulled up the site. Uh, so, <laughs> no, it's it's gone by quick. Uh, 51 tonight, we'll be joined for the second time. I think our very first guest, actually, Chris Doring, will be coming back on tonight. So, uh, first and 50th, right? Or second and yeah. 50th, one of those. He was one of the first few. He, he actually, he was our first guest. He came on the night that they released the All-SEC, the two opponents they would play additionally. On the schedule, and then if you if you remember, Derek, the next day it looked like there wasn't going to be a college football season. So hopefully that we don't tomorrow we don't wake up and everything's gone crazy. Uh, but Chris, I think he's a guy that just continues to get better at his job. He he knows football. He uh, he dissects the SEC, and I'm really interested in getting his thoughts on this Kentucky team because it was it's a, it's been a program he's been high on for a while. It is, yeah. He. Uh... You know, I think what you, when he talked to you in 2018, he was one of the uh, – I call him a national guy. I guess he's more of a conference guy, but national guy in some ways too. But I know he was high in Kentucky then. I don't really know his stance on the U.K. last year, but talking to him when he was on our show, uh, there was no question that he liked Kentucky's roster. And I'd say he still does. I mean, I think there are still things I like about this team. But those are a few of the things I'll be curious in hearing his thoughts about um, – you know, the schedule looks tough, so how many wins just does he expect from this Kentucky team? And, you know, one thing I'd be curious to hear from him, from somebody who played, is just how much do losses like the one to Ole Miss kind of shake a team uh, like Kentucky that has built a reputation, at least over the past two years, that didn't come through for them on Saturday because one end didn't hold up. So I'll be curious to hear those kind of things from him. And, uh, Sean, I know you have a bunch of questions for him too. I do I want to talk to him about Terry Wilson, uh, get his, you know, being a former offensive guy, I want to know what he thinks of Kentucky's quarterback play. I, I think he's going to say he's been good enough to win games for him. I yeah. think that's that he was high on him after the Auburn performance, so I know he had to, to like what he did against Ole Miss. Uh, talk to him about the receivers as well, too. And, and, Derek, this is a spot Mark Stoops has been in quite a few times now. Uh, 2016, they start out 0-2 with a loss to Southern Miss. I, I think, honestly, that was a lower point than what they're at right now uh, because they followed that and just got absolutely blitzed by Florida in that second game of the season. It's a different 0-2, but you still I think you still saw some wins on the schedule that year. I, I just don't know, other than a few games here where you look, they 
Derek, they're, they can't go into any game thinking that the, it's a gimme. They could lose to every single team that they play the rest of the way if they don't play well. Yeah, I asked Lennon Young about that today, and I'm debating still whether I want to do a story or not on that because it is – there's some big differences. Even, like you just said, like 2016, Stoops was coaching for his job that year, regardless of whatever he would say now in hindsight. Like, there were people who thought for sure he'd be fired for that Florida. It wasn't even just a Florida game. It was the fact that they'd given up 35 points at halftime to New Mexico State and it looked awful that whole season up to that point outside of one half against Southern Miss. Um but you're right. Like the South Carolina game that year after New Mexico State got them back to two and two, and they knew they were going to lose to Alabama, but they found a way to win some important games: Mississippi State, uh, Missouri, teams like that that year. And he's not really looked back too much since. And th- I think the good thing about this year's team, though, is the roster. You know, they've recruited really well for Kentucky standards the past few years. Like, even if this year is a rough year. I'd be curious to know, like, it's not like the recruiting, I wouldn't think, is going to fall off dramatically just because kids can't go anywhere else. I mean, there's no visits to take this year. Yeah, you might have people DMing them and calling them and doing their Zoom calls or whatever and saying, oh, you don't want to go there, they're 3-7 and seven or whatnot. But, like, there's going to be some weird results this year. That's why I don't want to throw in the towel just yet. I'm saying they're going to go 3-7 mm-hmm. and seven because any week you never know what's going to happen in this league the way that the schedule is this year. And two, you and I talked off the record before we even had a schedule, before we even had a season, that this could just be honestly a throwaway year. But not you don't want to label it that, but how much weight do we put into the result of this season, not just for Kentucky, but for a lot of these programs? I mean, it look, the Big Ten doesn't start football for literally yeah. like three more weeks. And then the Pac twelve and they're finishing around the it just it's a crazy year. We've seen the AP poll and the coaches poll literally change week to week, adding teams that hasn't played, you know, taking teams out that haven't played, putting them back in. What a weird year it's been. And just to – I didn't think that this team would be 0-2, but here we are. I mean, they have a they have a game against Mississippi State Saturday night, Derek, that I think it's a huge game. Uh, it feels like that every time – maybe in recent years they've got some big wins, but – it feels like every time that they're here and you're ready to just break through and you're ready to get that momentum push, they lose a game that you thought that they should have won. Like that Ole Miss game. They lost it three years ago, and it was a game that could have – that season could have been special before the one that was. Yeah, no question. Florida and Ole Miss that year. Um, this year, I think the biggest takeaway is just that it's going to be perception-based, I think, more than anything really like long-term to worry about. Like – I guarantee you next year, unless things change dramatically. I mean, I think Kentucky's looking at like three more guaranteed losses this year. So they're not going to be any better than five and five. And I think it might be pushing it just to get to five and five. But the biggest thing is going to be people next year. UK is not going to be a sleeper pick like it was this year for anybody. Uh, UK is not going to be anybody. I mean, it's going to probably add to the perception that Kentucky can't win the, can't win the East. Probably it's going to be a bigger thing and that, when Kentucky had a season where it was just matched up against SEC foes, well, you saw what happened when they didn't have those four out-of-conference wins to lean on. I think that's going to be kind of the narrative you get next year is that maybe this team's not as far along quite yet as uh, what people thought they might be. Unless unless something changes the next couple of weeks. Now, like you said the other night, they could win the next two, and it significantly changed the way everybody's viewing this program and this team right now. I mean, if they go – if they get Mississippi State and they go to Knoxville and find a way to do something that's not been done since the 80s, maybe that's your positive that you look back on 
in this 2020 season. So th- there's still those positive moments for this program that are out there. I don't think anyone is really just going to run them off the field. Uh, Alabama late in the season will just be a talent mismatch, but I think they can – in Georgia is a talent mismatch, but I think the way that the game is played, I think that they can, can at least at least compete and give themselves a chance if they play clean football. But they have games that they can win, but here's the thing. They can't make the mistakes that they've made. The margin for error is so thin in the SEC, especially week to week. Yeah, they need to see improvement, and I think there are some obvious areas, obviously the secondary, but – just not beating themselves. I, I, I would not be shocked if Chris talks about that. Probably just getting out of their own way. That's been a big problem through two games is just avoid uh, – I, I wouldn't say they didn't too many dumb things at Auburn. Like, you know, there were no plays like A.J. Rose made last game where you take points off the board because you celebrate too early. They just had some – well, I mean, I guess the fake punt was kind of dumb, but it was more so miscommunication so get those kind of things cleaned up and yeah I agree with you like I I don't look at many teams besides Alabama I I think Georgia will be very very difficult for this team to to beat but a lot of those other games Florida's probably getting close to that range too just because of how good their offense is but you know some teams on the schedule though I think if they show up on the right day they can they can get some of these guys Um, but at the end of the day that might not equal a great win-loss record on paper and mostly because you've squandered two chances already. Yeah, and, and what you said, I mean, even if they close this season and they end up doing well, they're, they're still going to be those – they're probably going to be picked, like you said, at least fifth in the SEC East next year, probably sixth, honestly. But they still have a lot of big games that they can win. They're, I think they're going to be in a lot of close games, and I think we saw that the first two weeks. It came down to if you're making mistakes in their turnovers – you got to also have some on your end, and they're not getting those right now. They've not, they don't have a takeaway this entire season. So I don't know if you're the one, if you're making those critical mistakes, not finishing touchdowns in the red zone, throwing interceptions in the red zone, fumbling it at the goal line. You can't overcome that with without getting some of your own, and at least two having a reliable secondary and defense that you can rely on. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, we'll get we'll get Chris in here. Uh, coming up, and we'll ask him some of these things. But you'll, I think you'll either have people jump back in on Saturday, or uh, they might be completely off. <laughs> I mean, if you can go down, if you can beat Mississippi State this weekend, and we'll see what kind of effort that's going to take, and then somehow find a way to finally beat Tennessee and Knoxville, the whole mood of what we're talking about right now changes. But those look like two very big ifs at the moment. It does. It certainly does. I'm with you. But this episode is brought to you by the Butcher's Pub. With two locations, one in Palmville, Kentucky, one in Williamsburg, Kentucky. Derek, they got amazing deals, amazing specials out there. Wing Wednesday coming up tomorrow. So get out there for 75-cent wings, $2 domestics, and head out to one of those two locations this weekend. Watch Kentucky-Mississippi State Saturday night, 7.30 p.m. Eastern time on the SEC Network. But you're listening to Kentucky Daily. We'll be back with more after this. Call Bryant Law, 261-7381. This is attorney Jeremy Bryant. Have you been injured at work in the last 24 months? Contact Bryant Law. We want you to understand that every dime an insurance company keeps from you is another one they keep in their pocket. You're entitled to just compensation. So don't let the insurance company tell you what's proper. After all, you're the one who has been injured on the job. I'll evaluate your case and tell you the truth. Call Bryant Law in Corbin and get what you deserve. Visit online at jeremybryantlaw.com.
welcome back to Kentucky Daily, as now we're joined by Chris Doring of the SEC Network. Chris, how are you? I'm good, man. Good to be back with you, and uh, congratulations on episode 51, right? You filled me in before the show that uh, I, I did the first one, and now we're on 51, so I, I, am I ever, every 50 episodes I get to come back? Is that what it is? <laughs> yeah, uh, well, you're uh, you're killing it in your new roles there at the SEC Network. We enjoy listening to you on Saturday and your insight, and I told Derek, I said, we've we got to get him on to talk about what's happening in Lexington. Uh, Chris, I don't think that – we thought that they could lose to Auburn. I mean, that's a program that you look at and think, okay, if you don't play well, you're going to lose. But I don't know if yeah. any of us really predicted Kentucky to be 0-2. Yeah, I, it, it's frustrating. And as I, I mentioned to you before we came on, I, I'm not even a Kentucky guy, and I'm frustrated by it. I, I think the thing that frustrates me is that I, I believe in this team. I still think this team's better than their record indicates. I think they're better than the way they've played. But there's a lot of uncharacteristic mistakes. I think you look in both the, the Auburn game and the Ole Miss game, uh, there are similarities between the way the game played out. I mean, I, I thought that uh, in, in the Auburn game, I was waiting for Kentucky to take control of, of that game. They seemingly had mo- multiple opportunities where that was uh, close and within reach. And, and the same thing was true with, with Ole Miss. I mean, being up 28-14, um, what I saw were – untimely penalties on on Saturday turnovers again and and the worst possible turnovers when you're turning the football over as you're going into the end zone I mean you're talking about uh big time swings and momentum and points and and everything else uh special teams mistakes with the the fake field or fake punt back in in week one and now uh, a missed field goal and uh, uh a missed extra point by Ruffalo on Saturday like these are things that I did not believe that Kentucky would be doing at this point in time because I really do feel like they're a very well coached, very experienced team, and, and I think that's why it, it, it frustrates me is because um, you know I really did believe that they were past, past this point in their progression. Now it doesn't seem like they can can you know when a game's in reach and you're and you're a champion when you're a winner, you know how to close games out, and right now it doesn't look like they have any feel for for how to do that. Chris, uh, like Sean said, thanks again for coming on. But so far, what position group has kind of surprised you the most for Kentucky and and maybe in a bad way? I was thinking probably in terms of the secondary, and I wanted to get your thoughts there because that's been the group that I think, uh, at least around here, has probably received the most criticism. through. Yeah, I think you're right about the secondary. The secondary hasn't been able to make a whole lot of plays in uh, one-on-one situations. Seth Williams obviously ate him up in week one. Even going back last week, I thought – uh, Lane Kiffin did a good job of creating some situations where they had uh, guys in one-on-one situations. Um, it took advantage of uh, Corker down the seam one time. Um, those guys have to be able to make plays a little bit more. But I, I think you're still seeing a, uh, maybe a, the difference in talent between Georgia and, and Kentucky. I mean, Georgia matched up athletically, physically. Um, you know, uh, Tyson Campbell and DJ Daniel, those guys pretty much locked down uh, Seth Williams in a way that, that Kentucky secondary wasn't able to. I'll tell you the other group that I'm a little frustrated with, and, and, and maybe some of this is not their fault after what they did last year primarily as blockers is, is, are, are the wide receivers. Um, I look around the league and I see guys making plays, making contested uh, plays in one-on-one situations, and I haven't seen Kentucky do that yet. I mean, maybe I'm, I'm missing something, but even uh, in the second half, I don't remember who it was, but there's a I think he, a post or something down the seam, and Terry Wilson throws it out there where it's it's catchable, and the receiver uh, doesn't go up and make a play on it. Those are things that playing in the SEC, if you're going to be a, a big time uh, program, you've you've got to make those plays. And and I haven't seen a whole lot of Kentucky receivers 
making anything more than just the average play. Chris, going into the season, we talked a lot about the continuity on the Kentucky staff and how they had some games early with programs breaking in new head coaches like Ole Miss. How concerning is that, that they that they lose that game to to a staff that's new, that's fresh? Yeah, I, I think that's a very talented team that, that Lane Kiffin inherited. I was very suspect of how well any of these new coaches, even new coordinators, would do with their, their offenses because offenses typically take a little more time uh, to, to develop, you know, not only an understanding of the scheme, but uh, a relationship with the quarterbacks and the timing of everything. I'll be honest, I've been shocked with Mississippi State in week one. I was shocked in, in, in two weeks in a row by Ole Miss and what they've been able to do offensively. Um, you know, Arkansas having the success that they did last week, like it, it's pretty surprising to me that these first year coaches in the league have been able to hit the ground running as much as they have, especially with the uh, SEC only schedule. Uh, and to that point, you know, Kentucky having pretty much the same scheme with the same players and the same coaches, I thought they were going to have an advantage heading into the year. But again, I, I don't think their execution has been bad. They've, they've, especially offensively, they put up, they outgained Auburn in that, in that, that game. They ran for 409 yards or whatever against Ole Miss. Like those are pretty good outputs, but it, it it's the self-inflicted wounds. It's the turnover margin that we're dealing with right now. I think is Kentucky. Minus three, I think, in, in turnovers uh, per game. I mean, I think they turned it yeah. over, what, three times in, right, yeah. in week one? I mean, it's pretty bad. They're, they're amongst the worst in the conference, if not the very last. So that that's when you turn the ball over like that, it's very difficult to, to win football games. And right now, as much as they've done that's good, uh, they, they've killed themselves with the turnovers. Something I've been thinking about the last few days and, and trying to, I guess, verbalize it and put it out there, the question I guess I have is how much do losses like the one UK had to Ole Miss kind of shake the confidence in what you're doing? And, and what I mean by that is Kentucky the last two years in particular has really built the rep as a kind of ball control, uh, punishing run team built behind a strong offensive line with some pretty good running backs. And like you said, still ran for over 400 yards against Ole Miss. But part of you know, obviously why they've been so successful as a defense has kept uh, opponents – Pretty low in terms of scoring. Uh, Sean, I don't remember the number, but I think it had been like close to, what, 30 games that held opponents under 30 points, something like that. And then Ole Miss just up and down the field, no problem. So it's kind of a long way to ask. Do you just kind of think that could shake some confidence, even with the coaching staff, and if they're doing the right things right now? I don't know if it shakes the confidence of the coaching staff, but I can tell you it definitely shakes the confidence of the players. I mean, that's why I really thought this year was important, and even more so that Auburn game to begin with. Like, that's a game I, – I looked at the schedule, four four games on the schedule that I thought were big opportunities to show that you were taking that step forward to being a competitive team in not only the East but in the entire conference as a whole. You know, Auburn was one, Alabama was another, and then Florida and Georgia, which they get to play every year. Um, those are games that I think in the past Kentucky has maybe thought they could win and hoped they could win. But until you, until you go do it, it, it really – is not anything that you necessarily believe consistently. And I can tell you guys, going back to my days at Florida, when I first got to Florida in 91, you know, 91, 92, we were nicknamed roadkill. We'd go on the road and, and ultimately not play as well as we should and lose ball games uh, that we probably shouldn't have, have, have lost. And then we finally figured it out, not to bring up a bad subject there, but I, I think that that game in Lexington in 93 was one that we point to where we finally turned the corner a little bit where, you know, those games – that we had typically lost and maybe even didn't deserve to win, we found a way to win. And 
it takes that. It, 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 you know, I go to a couple other experiences at, at Florida. You know, we went to the Sugar Bowl in 91, absolutely got drubbed by uh, Notre Dame. But the next time we went back there in 93, we knew how to handle it a lot better, and we beat West Virginia 41-7. We get to the SEC championship game in 92 and, and lose that on the Antonio Langham interception, and we get back there and win 93, 94, 95, 96 in the championship game. So handling that situation a little bit better. Uh, even the national championship game, we got drilled in my senior year in 95 by Nebraska in, in the Fiesta Bowl in the national championship game, and then they come back and win it the next year. So I really believe that it, there is th- this ability you know, to, to be there before and understand what you have to do to close out games. Uh, sometimes you can do it in a win, and you learn a lesson that's less painful, or, or now I think they're learning lessons that are a lot more painful because I don't think anybody thought they'd be 0-2. Even if you expected them to lose to Auburn, I think we all thought we could pin in a victory against uh, Ole Miss. But right now I imagine um, they, they, they do have some questions. But I think you turn on the tape and you see the ability that they've had to run the ball. I mean, the, you know, I, I go back to the first early drives against Auburn. You know, mixed it up very well, 11 plays, uh, six passes, five runs. Were really balanced, went right down the field and scored a touchdown. Uh, on Saturday, you know, they're, they're, they're rushing, you know, at will against that, that Ole Miss defense. Like, I see a, very, a lot of good, and I'm sure the coaches are trying to reinforce that right now. But the, next, the question I have is, next time we get into a close ball game, is there some doubt in your mind because you haven't necessarily been able to get over that hump yet? Chris, you mentioned the frustration, and I think it's the same for Paul Feinbaum. He actually came out today on, I think it was today, and said that it's, it's almost time for Kentucky fans to start focusing on John Calipari's basketball team. And Paul has been a guy that's been high on Kentucky in the past as well. But this has been a program, Chris, that they've had their backs against the wall quite a few times. In 2016, they started out 0-2 with a loss to Southern Miss, and they regrouped and figured it out. Last year, losing quarterbacks and losing three straight, they figured things out. Is it time for Kentucky fans to panic, or should they have some confidence that this staff can figure it out? I don't think there's any reason to panic. Um, this is a weird year. I mean, the, the entire year outside of sports has been weird. Uh, weird stuff is going to continue to happen. I really believe that this conference is going to have, um, you know, a lot of, of, uh, of cannibalism eating one another up because of how difficult this grind is going to be. Um, it's about staying focused. It's going to be physically fatiguing, mentally fatiguing. Uh, so I don't think there's any reason to give up. Yet, as you mentioned, this coaching staff has, has had their backs against the wall. I mean, there was a, a night, I think, what, four or five years ago, I remember being on air on the SEC Network and wondering whether or not that was the night that Mark Stoops was going to get fired. And uh, they've been able to regroup and, and made a lot of, of pro- progress since then. So I don't think there's any reason for that. I'll be honest, too, and I, 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 I'm not just you know, ca- uh, catering to the, 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 the fan base here, but I think Kentucky football fans are, are underrated in terms of, of uh, the respect that they get. I've always enjoyed going to Lexington, even outside of the success that I had there personally, because the atmosphere has been fun. I think the fans will continue to, to show up and support, you know, the ones that are able to get out there, uh, but supporting from afar. And uh, I don't see any reason to panic right now because there is a, a, a lot that you can point to that's going very well. It's just a few little things you can clean up there. They're not little things, they're a few things that are big that are holding you back, but you clean them up when you're in a much different situation. Chris, one of the things I've been trying to think about, and you, you actually brought it up in, in your last statement, just like teams, like how strange this year is going to be when you're just playing SEC teams. And like, how, how do you view success in a SEC only season? 
So along those lines, like, I think as of today, and things could change any weekend, we've seen that in college football, but, like, I feel like probably three, four wins is probably what UK is looking at at this point, given some of the teams that they have left to play. And I know this sounds simplistic, but, like, perceptionally, can you still – I mean, I feel like Kentucky could win three or four games this year and they could still be a good team, like, if that makes sense. So I like, think there's a lot of good teams in the yeah. SEC that aren't going to necessarily have a record that we traditionally would uh, feel like represents – uh, being a good team. Um, it is interesting, though, man. I think back to the, the preseason. What did Vegas come out with uh, the win total for Kentucky? Was it four or five? Four and a half, I think. Four, yeah, one. something like that. And, and I was like, man, let me get every bit of money I have and put it on the over in that game uh, or in the on the season. And I, I'm glad I didn't because, in hindsight, it looks like Vegas knew what they were talking about. But you know, I, I still think this is a year where you have to recalibrate recal- your, your goals and expectations. and um, it's a free year. I mean, all these guys get a chance to come back again next year, and, and uh, I think we're all just happy to be watching football. I'm sure those guys are happy to be playing football. It doesn't minimize the pain that we all feel when our teams lose, and the players certainly feel that even more than what we do. But um, I do think there's a lot that, that they can get better from that may pay dividends this year or may pay dividends next year. Chris, I want to wrap up with uh, Terry Wilson. Uh, no Coming off that knee injury, we talked about it in the preseason when we had you on. Uh, so he goes to Auburn. I thought he played fairly well. I thought he gave them chances to win that game. You even said on SEC this morning, Monday, that he was the reason they had a chance yeah. to win the game at Auburn. And then Chrissy followed it up with me and Derek actually think that it's one of his probably his best game he's put together at Kentucky. So yeah. what do you? How do you assess his play so far through? And is it something yeah. that this offense can lean on? I, I think there were some questions as to how he was going to play coming off of that injury and being out for as long as he was. And I think he answered those doubters with resounding results that have been largely pretty good. Again, you know, the 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 the, the, the taking care of the, the football, maybe not the best in Auburn, and, and certainly ball security needs to be tightened up when you're not used to getting hit, when you're in practice and you're going through the motions, but at quarterback not getting hit, you forget about, you know, the way you got to hold the ball and, and, and how, you know, you got to have better ball security. So I think he learned from that. Um, you know, running the football, I, I talked about it on SEC Now on Saturday night. Like, legitimately, with the way Terry Wilson's playing right now, you get Lynn Bowden with a better arm and, and, and better accuracy and, and, and a way better passing attack. So uh, if you can continue to, to get the, the receivers playing a little bit better, uh, the ability that he has to run the football, I, I think it makes it a very dangerous uh, offense for defenses to try to stop. So I, I'm happy with where Terry Wilson is right now. Um, to your, to, you know, to you guys' previous questions, the defense has got to play better. Uh, you, you protect the football a little more. Uh, receivers step up a little bit, and I, I think you're in a much different situation. And I'm not, you know, I'm not at the point where I'm, I'm willing to say that they're not going to knock off one of those remaining three big games that they have on their schedule. Yeah, we both think it's certainly a team that could beat someone that they're not expected to beat. So uh, there's still a lot of football to play. Chris, as always, great stuff from you. Continue to kill it. We're we're checking in on you. We were in the press box the other night, and you're popping up on the on the screen. So we're listening to you every Saturday. We enjoy your insight, Thank you. and uh, thanks for yeah. doing the show again. Yeah, thanks for having me. I appreciate the kind words, and uh, look forward to watching Kentucky get this thing put back together because I – I am. Uh, I, I've been singing the praises all year. I've been getting killed by Auburn fans on uh, on Twitter because I, ha- I still won't let that game go. But I think you know, Auburn got a little bit exposed themselves on Saturday. So uh, and I, I think we're all right now just trying to figure out who these teams are still.
Well, he's Chris Doring. You're listening to Kentucky Daily. We'll be back with more right after this. Welcome back, everyone, to Kentucky Daily. Hope you enjoyed that interview with Chris Doring. Derek, I wanted to ask you one thing. I meant to ask you this in the opening of the show. So Paul Feinbaum uh, was on a radio show in Birmingham, and it was recent. I think it was this morning, actually. And he said that it's time for Kentucky fans to start looking at John Calipari's basketball team. Derek, that's a uh, you know that's a slap in the face that Mark Stoops – is not happy with, but it's close. I think that they're close. If they lose this game Saturday night, Derek, there's going to be a lot of fans that are going to look at this and be like, man, this was just a miserable start to the season. It's And then they see what's a, what lies ahead. Yeah. What do you think about what Paul said? Um, I think, I think any time you start to say – time to think about basketball. I just think it's such an insult to Kentucky fans because there are many, many, many of them who care deeply about Kentucky football and don't turn the page to basketball season until the football season's done. Um, so I think that was a lazy take from him. However, I mean, what else do you expect? And I like Paul Feinbaum. I mean, I, watch his, well, I used to watch his show a lot. I've not watched it much anymore. It's nothing that he's done. I just haven't gotten around to it as much as I used to in a more normal year. Um but that's, if I had to guess, it's probably just Paul playing to the base down there in Birmingham. I mean, does Paul Feinbaum ever talk about basketball? Isn't that show all just pretty much football 24-7? So, I mean, the way that they're going to view Kentucky is never going to be. That's, that's how they're always going to view it in other places. That's how Lexington is just uh, – even when they were good, there was people that were saying that, that they're just waiting around for a Calipari's basketball team. Well, that's not true. So, no. um, obviously, Vince Merrill saw it. He, that's the way I did see it today was through that uh, – Vince Merrill tweet. I mean, I think those are damaging stereotypes, but at the same time, I mean, until Kentucky really starts beating teams that, you know, it would take probably beating in Auburn or something like that to get Paul Feinbaum's attention and to fully uh, do that. But I would also say, Sean, you probably know better than me. I, I think Paul's probably given his plenty of compliments to Stoops over the years, guys like that. But well, he reverted back awful quick, though, once things uh, got started. I'll tell you, I'll tell you this, he has. And when when I've talked to him in the past, I've talked to him a couple of times. And once one was at SEC football media days last year. I didn't talk to him for like ten minutes about Kentucky football and the job that Mark Stoops has done. I actually sent him a message this evening and was like, "Hey, saw your comments. Uh, if you'd like to come on the show and talk about it, the invitation's <laughs> there." So we'll see if he gets back to me about it. Um, but he is a guy that has given plenty of compliments to Kentucky. And to Derek, I think I think a lot of people, uh, Jacob Hester, we have him on the show later in the week. He's a guy that was high on Kentucky in the preseason. Uh, Peter Burns has been high on Kentucky. I think a lot of these people, they started thinking, you know, this really could happen this year. Well, they could really make a run at the East or the programs at this point. And when you see them lose to a team that is breaking in a new head coach, I think from their standpoint, it's, it's kind of. I think it's frustrating for them, just like it is for the fans, because you you finally think, okay, Kentucky football is going to do this, and then they leave you just there looking like fools. Like I'm sorry, like that's 
But not to say this team can't turn around and have a good year, but I think a lot of people are like, okay, what was this all fool's gold that I thought was going to happen? But we've seen one thing in the past, Derek. Don't think that the nail's in the coffin with this program. They have figured it out twice. You know that they got a lot of guys on that coaching staff that are losing sleep the last yeah. couple of weeks, and they're going to do their best to get it figured out and, and give them credit. They have multiple times, and I'm not ready to write them off yet. They figured out how to keep it from bottoming out, I think, is, is the thing I would say. This was a year, probably pre-pandemic year, but the way things were set up, I actually do think they could have had a chance to compete for the SEC, certainly more than this year when you added you know, two more SEC games. I think that was going to be tough, no matter what, to win the East in a year like this. Um, it would have probably been dependent on some other teams losing games, to be honest with you, and uh, what we talked about a few weeks ago, or maybe last week, was you know possibly I, I think I think it was before the season that if Auburn, you know, if Kentucky could beat Auburn, and then Auburn could somehow beat Georgia, like how good that would be for Kentucky. And now, obviously, any kind of talks like that from us are gone for this season. But uh, again, we'll have a better idea, and that's something I'm really fascinated about right now is just how much the season's going to mean. Um, yeah. And when I was talking about the recruiting in the beginning, like I think it's the same way. Like okay, maybe Kentucky could have swayed one or two more kids if they went like seven and three this year. But until you can start getting kids on campus, I just don't – it's just such a weird year. Does that make sense? Like I just don't it, know. It's, like It's not like a normal year where you could really cash in on it, I don't think. No. So, and, I, don't know. I mean, coaches coaches are recruiting in such a weird way right now. Like it's literally all Zoom probably or all phone. And it's just – I don't know how you can – that's the thing that I'm getting at. I think these coaches are losing a ton of sleep, not only because their teams are struggling, but – you're you're have you're sitting here wondering about what the future looks like and things because you're having to do so many things that are just not normal. Uh, Derek, before we wrap up here, the one thing that I'm going to base the rest of the season off of, I, I don't think that I'm going to get caught up in their record at the end of this year. I'm not going to look at the record. The thing that I'm looking at is does this team get better? Do they get better yeah. in the areas that they've struggled in the first two weeks? Do they give themselves a chance to win? And are these losses just teams being better, or are these losses because Kentucky is literally shooting themselves in the foot? That's what I'm looking at more than the overall record. But do you think – I think the only flip side to that, though, is that they're kind of a veteran team. So, like, what are you kind of building towards, I guess would be my question for this year. And I think that's probably why this year was so focused on it being the year, because you had such a veteran team that you could cash in. I mean, you have a senior quarterback, four senior offensive linemen, two senior defensive linemen – uh, two senior defensive backs. So well, I see what you're it. saying, and, I mean, it's better for sure. I mean, you don't want them to go out with a whimper anyway, but, like, it's still probably going to be viewed as a rebuild. Not, not a rebuild. I shouldn't say rebuild. I don't think it's that strong, but, like, there will be question marks, though, that people have about Kentucky next year that we will not have answered until you see a few games. I have a question for you here, too. We know that the weather, in you know, sort of in, it affected – and influence Kentucky's past defense numbers last year. It would have done that to any program in college football because those weren't just rain games. Those were absolute downpours. Uh, Derek, they didn't have to face the, the pass a ton in practice last year either. How much do you think that that hurt the secondary that the only time they saw pass plays was on Saturday? They didn't have anybody back there throwing the thing. Sawyer Smith yeah. couldn't even hold his arm up for the entire remainder of the season, and Lynn Bowden wasn't throwing it. We had Nick Scalzo was out with an, an ACL. Who was back there? Amani Gilmore. That's all they had. Like, yeah. do, you, how, do you think that that has played a part at any point? Yes, they had 
the early fall camp, and Terry was throwing the ball. But we've also seen that this offense doesn't take a ton of shots that are just vertical down the field. Do you think that that's played a part at all? I mean, it could. Uh, it could have. Uh, and also with the wide receivers, I think that was always going to be a thing too. With Ali's done a really good job this year, probably better than I expected, to be completely honest. Um, but I do think it slowed down, like, Maybe if Terry is healthy the whole season last year, like maybe you see Akeem Hayes come on before before he has now. Although I will say after Eddie Grant's comments today, it sounds like he had some things to clean up off the field that he did get cleaned up to his credit. So maybe that would have been a good example to use. But a Bryce Oliver, uh, somebody like that. So I do think there are parts of this team that were hurt. But at the same time, I mean, and I know you're not, but you can't fault Kentucky for doing what it had to do last year to win games. However, to your point, which I think is the point you're trying to make, like, there could have been some, uh, I guess, some effects from that that, that are still lingering now that you didn't get to uh, have last well, year. Well, that's where I'm coming from, that I know this team is experienced. This team has dealt with a lot. Uh, they they don't have Chris Oates, and I think that they're missing him too, Derek. I think that that's a guy that I think might have been the center and probably had an opportunity to be one of their better defensive players. He might have been a star this year. Uh what we'd seen in the past. So I don't think that's been talked about a ton either. I think they're missing him. And then too, I mean, you know, the secondary Kelvin Joseph didn't play football for a year and he did, certainly didn't cover a lot of passing in practice last year. Still, you can't talk like that and not be able to back it up. And that's what I'm looking at Saturday night. I want to see how this secondary performs. It looks like it's going to be rain. I sent you that text today. It said 80%. It just keeps getting worse. Derek, uh, thoughts to the, uh, to the south, Louisiana, if that thing keeps coming up and turning up, they're getting hit again. So it's probably going to affect some SEC football this weekend. So it's probably a good thing that Kentucky is playing at home in Lexington Saturday. Uh, but we hope you enjoyed tonight's episode. Sorry, we're dropping these episodes in the evening, these first two days of the week. We've had a couple of things happening throughout the day. We couldn't get times Life. to record. Life's going but- away. It has. Life is literally getting in the way for both of us, but we're still recording for you. You're still getting these episodes. I hope you enjoy them. We'll be back to a normal schedule very soon, but this has been another episode of Kentucky Daily. We'll see you tomorrow. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.